Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Joseph, also known as Jew in the City. Welcome back from our hiatus. Uh, we had a nice little uh, Pesach vacation in Israel, my family and I. And um, we are back now and here with some new material. Um, as is our uh, mission here at Jew in the City, as our longtime listeners know, we break down stereotypes about Orthodox Jews. And I think one of the sort of most common stereotypes people have. Um, and, you know, something that I've sort of detected or learned over the years, most of the stereotypes that exist about our community have some truth that they are based on. Um, and so we can discuss with our guests today, you know, maybe the truth in the stereotype and the ways that um, some of us uh, go against the stereotype. Um, but one of the main stereotypes that I grew up believing in was that Orthodox Jews are always very serious. For instance, in if you look up Orthodox Jew in stock photos, um, you will find some drawings of some very, very stern-looking men, uh, very sort of basic-looking drawings, but with sort of a, an eyebrow that looks severe and a mouth that looks very um, almost angry. Um, there was a clip recently on the Food Network. Um, I'm not sure what it was about. It was some chef that was supposed to be cooking a kosher meal. I think because it was like a Jewish guy that was marrying someone not Jewish, and the chef was supposed to cook something kosher to honor his Jewish heritage, and they brought in um, an Orthodox Jew to test the food or to maybe like make sure that the kitchen was kosher. And one of the things that the Food Network did to sort of show that this was like a legit Orthodox Jew, the first thing was, you know, here's wearing his black hat and they pointed to his yarmulke and I remember thinking like this doesn't actually look like a hat to me but whatever and the second thing they said was um, you know his serious face and it was like a little arrow to his face looking serious because I guess this is just this very you know widespread idea that Orthodox Jews can't um, have any personality can't be funny can't laugh um, and I think you know maybe this comes back to that sort of fiddler on the roof idea of, you know, it's hard to be a Jew, and um, I don't know. Anyway, this is certainly a, a stereotype and association that I had with the Orthodox community growing up, uh, visiting Manhattan uh, with frequent trips as a child. I would often see um, Hasidim walking around looking quite serious, so this was definitely an association that I had as well. Um, but there are actually lots of Orthodox Jews with lots of happy and funny personalities. Um, we have profiled um, Hasidic comedians before, like Mandy Pellin. We actually have an upcoming video that we're putting out with him soon called Schmoozing and Cruising. Um, and today's uh, guest is no different. He is a Orthodox comedian. His name is Ashley Blaker. He's a British guy. Um, and he's an internationally acc acclaimed comedian, actually. Um, in November 2015, he embarked on his first stand-up tour, Un- Gefiltered, which played to sold-out audiences um, all over the UK. In 2017, he started his first Israel tour, and he followed this with a second UK show, Meshuggah From, which he performed at sold-out theaters across the country. And in his spare time, he is an award-winning comedy writer and producer for radio and TV. As a radio producer, he was responsible for first unleashing the comedy phenomenon Little Britain on the nation. Then he has worked with the who's who of TV comedy. And his company, Black Hat Productions, is currently making several new series for BBC Radio 4, including Couples and Josh Howey's Losing It. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, good. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. 
Um, yeah, my pleasure. So, um, you know, I was kind of poking around your website briefly to get a little bit more of a understanding of kind of who you are and where you came from. And I'm pretty sure I detected a picture of you from before you were observant, a younger picture with longer hair. Was that a costume or did you not grow up observant or? No, 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 that, that's real. That's, um, I, uh, that, that was my first appearance on TV because I was on a quiz show called University Challenge. Okay, so um, tell us a little bit about I, your Jewish background growing up and a little bit what got you into an observant Jewish life. I, um, so I grew up in a pretty traditional home. Um, you know, we went to synagogue most weeks uh, and then would kind of watch TV in the afternoon. And, um, you know, kind of kosher home. and You know, it's kind of important, but, you know, not, not that important. Um, and uh, sometime after uh, my wife and I got married, we just very gradually became a bit more interested. I think it was basically when you get married in the UK, if you get married in an Orthodox um, synagogue, they give you a year's free membership of the synagogue of your choice. Hmm. Um, so we, we joined So we joined the synagogue nearest to our house. And, you know, if somebody gives me something free, I want to use it. I don't want to oh. kind of... I can say, you know, I want to try to see what it's like. So anyways, I turned up one week uh, to see what it was about, to see what the synagogue was like. And um, the rabbi was a very kind of smiley, and uh, yeah, outgoing guy. And he kind of ran off the bimmer. To, you know, off the platform to come and see me to say, who are you and what have you and he was very funny and I, I don't know it was just very welcoming and then I, I, I quite enjoyed it and I went back the week after um, and he, he obviously thought oh I've, I've got one here um, and he said and he said to me what, what are you doing this afternoon because you know we, on, on, a, on a Shabbos afternoon we, we struggle for numbers for Mincha is there any way you can come back and I, I'm somebody who's very bad at saying no to people um, when people ask me to do that, I'm not, I don't. I never like saying no. So I said, "All right, okay." Uh, and then he, so I turned up, and he, and then he said, "Well, what are you doing tomorrow morning?" Because we struggle on a Sunday morning. And then he said, "What are you doing on Monday?" And basically, by the end of the week, I was going every day. Oh, so I kind of had to had to start learning to catch up. That's genuinely really what happened, basically. All right. So they say uh, mitzvah goreris mitzvah. One mitzvah leads to another. So literally, um, this rabbi did it um, shacharis by shacharis for you. So and then yeah, and then exactly. that was sort of the the slow journey uh, into a more observant life. And what about comedy? My sense is that funny people are just always funny. You can't really. I mean, I guess you can train or hone your skills, but I'm imagining that you were just always a funny person. And were you the class clown? Uh, yeah, no, a little bit. I mean, I, I yeah, I, I'm. I mean, I'm quite a quiet person. And people who people who meet me sometimes think they can't believe that I, I, I perform as well. But I, I uh, but no, I was very. I mean, I was performing at quite a young age. I, I used to do shows at school in the lunchtime um, for like the for the upper years. I'd do like forty minute sets, really, quite long, quite long shows where I would be kind of just mostly poking fun of the teachers. Um, and, uh, and and at the same time, actually, I was performing on the London comedy circuit that that I st- started at about sixteen. So, um, and I, I, I mean, in truth, I I, I was all right. Uh, I, I had kind of good shows and bad shows. I think kind of too young at that age to really understand why the good ones went well and why the bad ones didn't. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I you know that was uh, that was in there. Basically, I actually drifted out of it a little bit, and um, and in a way, you know. 
talk about things being kind of minishamai and what have you, um, in a way, really, it was actually becoming from that actually gave me a way back, in a way, into performing at least. Because I think as a, as a 16, 17-year-old, the trouble was that I didn't really have a defined... You know, it's too young. I didn't really... Apart from just kind of wanting to kind of copy the comedians that I liked, um, that that was all I had. I didn't really have a kind of proper something I really wanted to talk about that was important to me. Just wanted to be a comedian. Uh, but it was when I became from it actually gave me something that I actually wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about the experience of being from and what it's like to be a from Jew and what have you. So um, you know, it, it, it really was. Um, uh, so yeah, like a, a real miniature mind thing that you, you you really see how things are meant to be, because it was actually through becoming more observant that I was actually able to get back into doing something that I had wanted to do as a teenager. So it's it's funny that you say this that um, being from gave you more material. Um, because, well, actually, it reminds me a little bit of the Seinfeld episode about the uh, dentist that becomes a Jew for the jokes. Um, but it also reminds yeah. me of um, we have we have this uh, yearly Orthodox Jewish All Star list, and we interview our All Stars. And um, one woman that we had in our group last year, Alana Wernick, who was the uh, writer and uh, executive producer of Modern Family, was talking about that people think that observance will hold your career back, and she found that it gave her material for the shows that she was on. So on a show that she wrote on for years, King of Queens, she said one time she was at the mikvah, and she had donated money to the mikvah, and she looked up to see her name on the wall, and it wasn't there. And she felt like, well, I want the credit for my good deed, um, but there's no one that you can ask that for because that sounds awful. So she put that into a show where, you know, her character on the show had given charity and didn't get recognized for it and was complaining about not getting credit for the good deed. So um, it's, uh, I guess, it's nice to know for people to see that it's something that makes you unique and kind of gives you a, a different perspective on the world. Um, did you have a, were you working on another career in the meantime? I'm saying like if being from helped you get back into comedy, were you working in another career direction or were you just kind of writing right, behind? Right, right, right. Yeah, no, no. So, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. So basically, um, so I have been working in, in comedy for the last 17, 18 years, whatever, uh, 18 years, I think. Um, so I, I, as, as you said in that, uh, introduction, I, I was a producer and a writer, uh, worked on a lot of big shows in, in, in the UK. Um, worked with a lot of, you know, as you said, worked with pretty much everyone in in the comedy. Uh, I'm trying to think who who you would know. Uh, yeah, I know you. The who's who. I'm reading that. I'm thinking like we know your who's who. Who are I'm the? I'm in America. In America, like British, people like, like James, James Corden. Okay, we know him. People like James Corden and Russell Brand and, and John Oliver. And, okay. uh, you know, there's a lot of people with me in America as well. And, and, um, and little, actually, Matt Lucas, who I worked with a lot in Little Britain, um, you know, was in, in the, on HBO as well. And, uh, now in, in movies in, in, in Hollywood as well. And, um, so I've done, you know, so worked with sort of a, a, a lot of, uh, big shows, but, but no, not as a performer. Um, and, and, you know, I'd given up, it's not like I was kind of crying in my bed every night. I just kind of, uh, that was fine. I, I, I was doing something else that I wanted to do, but that, that there was obviously always that um, buried deep down some unfulfilled uh, desire to, to get back into performing. Um, and, uh, yeah, as I say, it, it, it was actually through becoming from because what happened was somebody said to me, uh, a rabbi rang me one, one day, 
and said, uh, would you come to my shul and speak at a Malava Malka? And I said, like, well, I don't know. I mean, why, why would I? You know, I'm not a rabbi. Why, you know, you normally get like a rabbi. So why do you want me? He said, I'm so be interesting. You come along and you talk about, you know, you work at the BBC. You, you, you know, you're working with big stars all the time. But, you you know, you, you, you walk, you've got payers and you've got sitsis out and you wear black hats and uh, you don't shake hands with the... Uh, women are popular wife and whatever you know it's like this is kind of you know and i like i work in tv but i don't own a tv i never see tv uh, i don't own one and and um like so this is kind of so weird like you'd be you know i just think people would be interested to hear about it so okay so i agreed i i, I went along and I, I wrote something um you know like as an after dinner you know and 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 I enjoyed it, and, and what I re- and then I got asked to do, on the back of that, I got asked to do another, another couple of them, and what I realized as I was doing them was that I was getting laughs, actually, it was, it's quite, you know, it's quite addictive getting laughs, and I just thought, well, you know what, actually, I could maybe just get rid of the kind of stender, get rid of the lesson, walk out from behind that, and the notes, and whatever, you, and grab a microphone, and do it as stand-up, and just, just talk about the same things, and that's kind of what I talk about, so a lot of my comedy is talking about my, you know, it's through my stuff that other people can associate with, uh, can, can um, identify with, but it's come from my perspective of my experiences, because, as I say, this is my life. I, I work in TV. I don't own a TV. I go to work. I work with people, all kinds of people. I, 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 I'm walking into meetings, and I'm always thinking, how am I going to get out of shaking this person's hand? Is they going to try and kiss me, let alone shake my hand? Um, ha, ha, you know, and all the kind of, all the difficult uh, scenarios that I, I get involved with. Um, you know, and, and, and then all the other things of, of, of leading a firm life, like keeping shoulders and keeping kosher and, and, and all the other challenges that we have. So, you know, as I say, it's given me a whole new um, perspective, a whole new source of material, as you say. So I would love to actually hear more about, you know, the, the not shaking hands, um, you know, working on TV. Yeah. Jamie Geller, um, you know, had also become, I mean, I think you have on your... Uh, you know, it's obviously a loaded term to say ultra-Orthodox or Haredi, but I think it makes the point even more interesting that you're part of a more right-wing Orthodox uh, community going into work with Payas and not shaking hands. So Jamie Geller also became observant in the TV world, and she was not shaking hands at HBO, and she told me how, you know, um, the big stars would, you know, actually jump in front of people and be like, don't shake her hand, she doesn't touch men. So um, there was someone else in the world that was uh, doing something like that as well. But I would love to know, how how did those two things work? Or I guess, how do these things work um, in terms of the different shows that you were working on or, you know, being at the BBC or, you know, the different stars you were working with? How did they take uh, your Jewish uh, observance as it grew and you started being more outwardly uh, yeah, Jewish? I think they, yeah, I think they thought I was crazy. Um, <laughs> they probably thought I was crazy already anyway, so... Um, and uh, you know, I thought I, one day I turned up wearing like a kippah, and people were saying, you know, is it some special holiday today? What, what's going on? Why are you went? You know, I started to wear it, and then like it was a gradual thing. So like one one day I'm doing that, and then a few weeks later, a few months later, whatever, I got the sitzes. So they kind of tucked in, obviously. Um, you know, and then a little bit later, I've kind of left them hanging out, and then kind of my clothes have become a bit more kind of white and black. And then, um, you know, and then I'm kind of wearing the hat and then the pairs are growing longer and what have you. And uh, so it's a kind of gradual thing, just um, something new every day. Uh, and um, yeah, funny that story you've been saying a few guys, because when I get a friend, I, my friend Matt Lucas, 
we'd go to a meeting, and he would say, if we went to a meeting with a woman, he'd go in, and he'd go, I'm Jewish. <laughs> I'm yeah, Jewish, but he, this guy is a real Jew. He's not going to shake your hand. He said, go on, stick, stick your hand out now, see what he does. Go on, stick it out, he won't shake it. And and uh, make fun. And actually, he generally do that, and, and like that would actually make make, uh, make light of it. Um, my rabbi, I, this is true, my rabbi was... Um, so I was learning with my rabbi one night, and he gave me this really, really strict book. Um, and uh, it's a book called Nine to Five. And it's like the strictest book about kind of kind of relationships in the workplace. And it says in this book, generally it says that shaking hands with some of the opposite sex apart from your spouse is, an, is, an, is, is a Torah prohibition, not just a rabbinical Torah prohibition. And it says that you, you're required to give up your life rather than shaking hands with some of the opposite sex apart from your spouse. So I was reading this, and I was thinking, and it genuinely would like, cross my mind, like, next time I go to a meeting, you know, if, if the window's open, you know, do, should I make a run for it? Should I, should I be, you know, the hand comes out, and I should, you know, shout Shema Yisrael and just jump out the window. Um, you know, how far, how seriously should I take this book? So I had to, like, kind of start, I said, well, that's not a good idea. Um, so I try and, like, devise methods to get around it, like, you know, I'd always walk into a meeting with like a coat in one hand and my bag in the other, and then somebody offers you a hand. You go, "Oh, uh, sorry, I haven't got my hands." And actually, the the weird thing is actually this book. I mean, genuinely, this book does have some solutions. And he says in the book, this is totally true. He says in the book, um, when somebody gives you a, uh, once somebody offers a hand, why not give them a business card? So he says, but like, which sounds like sounds quite a good idea when you first read it. But what he doesn't address is what happens half an hour later at the end of the meeting. And she shakes her hand again. You have to go, yeah, sorry, I changed my cell phone number during the meeting. Have another card. And you like, six months later, you better just keep changing your number to keep giving the card. So you have to kind of keep thinking of new methods to get around it. Right. That's definitely uh, a challenge there. Um, what what about the, the stereotype that Orthodox Jews are very serious or don't have uh, very good senses of humor? Did you grow up with that similar idea or um, stereotype about the community? And how have people in the firm world reacted to, uh, you know, what what you do? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know about the, the, the former thing. I don't know. I mean, I think, uh, I suppose, yeah, I suppose I didn't give it a lot of thought, but I suppose you think of, People as being, well, I can't kind of think back that I was, that was something I was definitely thought or, or not. But I suppose you know the, the typical uh, you you kind of wouldn't imagine. Um, you know, you don't see many uh, Orthodox comedians. So it's not like you would think of them doing that kind of thing. I'm sure entirely. You know, no, it's, it's like the rabbi. I, I have this very strong serious. memory of seeing Hasidim down walking down the street with just very serious looking faces. Just, and I've actually asked Hasidic Jews about this, and they've said things to me like, "Well, a smile is something personal, so you save that just for people that you know." Or, I, I've heard different answers, right, right. but. I have been I, I have been told that my perceptions actually were based on something. I think that the challenge is that a lot of times people from the outside world don't get a chance to see Hasidim up close and like in the space where they're comfortable and more at ease and where they would actually see more personality. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and so, yeah, and I, I can see that. I can see that. I mean, I think so. No, I, I yes, yeah, so I kind of I'm trying to think. I can't really kind of transport myself back to kind of think about that. But in terms of now, like I mean, I get. 
what's really interesting for me, you know, talking about like Brit, you know, the whole point of, you know, your your thing is to like talking about um, breaking down stereotypes and what have you. That's something that I really enjoy because my audience is really broad. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm whatever, ultra-orthodox, whatever you want to call it, Haredi, whatever. But um, the, the, the audience that I perform for is really complete mix. I, I had some non-Jews come to me, but um, mm-hmm. on my last tour, you know, a, a few non-Jews, but, most, I mean, but beyond the, but in terms of the Jewish audience, I mean, a complete mix from uh, tools and hats through to, um, you know, completely unaffiliated, uh, liberal, progressive, reform, you know, conservative, the whole, the entire range. Mm. Uh, and, and actually, it all sat together. And in fact, I did a, I did a show last year in, in Newcastle, in, in the north of uh, England. It's a town called Newcastle, a city called Newcastle. Uh, which it has in the suburb of Newcastle. If you don't know, there's a, there's a little there's a town called Gateshead, which has got it's like the last shtetl in Europe. It's a very very small, about a hundred to uh, hundred and fifty families, whatever. Uh, and um, there's also like kind of a, a world-renowned yeshiva uh, there as well and seminary. But they um, so I had I did a show in Newcastle, and I had like a, a row of like ten guys from Gateshead. And then sat next to them was a, a, a female reform rabbi from another from a, a, a synagogue in a place called Darlington, and I was actually, and I, I sat there and I was performing, stood there, and I'm thinking, genuinely, I, I genuinely couldn't think of another uh, occasion in in Jewish life when these people would be coming together. Maybe I genuinely can't think of any other event when these kind of, such a range of Jewish people would come together under one roof. I'm kind of proud of that, because I, I, I don't, I, I can't think of anything else. Um, and and it, it's funny that it kind of works at all levels, because I often find after uh, after a show, from people will kind of, oh, you know, loved it. So I can't understand, though, why the non-from people come, because they, they, they couldn't have got a load of it. There's loads of it they just couldn't have got. They wouldn't have got it. And then all the non-from people come up to me and say, why are the promise there? I, they, they're not going to have got that. They wouldn't have got that <laughs> reference and this thing. They don't know about that. So they all kind of think it's not, it's like it's for us. It's not, it's not for them. They don't understand it. But, um, but yeah, I'm really proud of that because, you know, people, Jews come together, you know, the, the from community, I mean, like, I, I live in a place called Asia and the Orthodox come together for like a Tehillim or whatever. But you don't get the, you know, for a big Simcox, CM or whatever. But you don't get the, the Orthodox and the non-Orthodox and the liberal, they don't come together. They just don't. It just never happens. Like, absolutely never. All right. Maybe maybe uh, your comedy act will herald in uh, Mashiach. Who knows? Um, and do you have any advice for young from kids that would want to get started in uh, a life of stand-up comedy? It just so happens that my grandmother used to tell me when I was a child that I grew up to be a comedian and didn't actually do that officially. I try to, you know, incorporate some humor in what I do, but is there any sort of a path for one of our listeners out there? Who I think, knows yeah, I, yeah, I just, look, it's very important. You, you've got to know your halakhas, you're not allowed, unfair competition. I'm <laughs> doing it, you're not allowed to. So basically <laughs> tough, I got there first. And um, if you try and do it, you're taking away my panasa. So um, please don't do it. That's what I say to anyone who ever asks me. They oh, want to yeah. get into it. Um, any serious advice? Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, say that again, Alison. 
Oh, any serious advice on how to get started in a career? I'm saying, is, is there, did, did you have an advantage because you could do comedy clubs that normally would, like, have shows on Shabbos? Like, I'm saying, is is it possible to be on a circuit or get your chance, in, you know, within uh, Shomer uh, Yeah, I think, I'll, you know, I look, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely, I mean, whatever you feel, forget getting into stand-up. I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, what I've done, I, I, I'd like to think um, that I show... You know, that, that certainly being from has no, doesn't hold you back in any way, and that you can do whatever you want to do. I don't, you know, I, I just don't think it's any. Um, but interestingly, the questions that I often get asked, people often ask me, do you think, because I was working at the BBC and then I became from, I was already, you know, I was already like, pretty, you know, I was like the top person to like make it when you're making, so like, I, I, we would do recording, I would be filming TV series, they would, they would they would never film on Shabbos because I'm in charge. So, it goes to, so I'm the one who's doing the calendar. Uh, what people say to me, what if, what if you were from already? What, right. Could you have got into that business? And people often ask me that. I mean, the, 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 the truth is, you know, it, it's a difficult one to answer because I, cause I wasn't. <laughs> that was the way it happened. I mean, if I, if I grew up the way I was, you know, I, maybe it'd be difficult. Maybe it's not something I'd have wanted. It. Who knows? It's very hard for me to answer and then the other question I get asked all the time is people say, would you want your children, would you be happy if your children went and did what you were doing? Um, that one I can definitely answer, yes. You know, I mean, I, uh, you know, 100%. And, and, I, and I just think that there's the possibilities, that there's no reason at all not to do any, um, any, any job. There's a, clearly, you know, you're saying about the challenges, that there are challenges, of course there are, and, and you know, if if you were starting out, and you were running. You know, you were a junior person working on a on a TV show. Um, it's not going to go down well if it's a seven day a week shoot or a six day a week shoot, and, and just Sunday off, and you can't do Friday and, and, and Shabbos or whatever. You got to leave early on a Friday. All right, so you know there may be there there, may, there will be some things in life that you can't do clearly. Um, however, one door closes, another one opens, and and. Um, it's about finding how to use that to your advantage. Totally. I mean, look, we had, uh, getting back to Alana Warnick, who I mentioned before, she did grow up religious, and she said um, she had to just be that much more talented and that, you know, work that much harder, but she did believe, at least, you know, the writing and producing that she was doing, as long as she was always the best, um, you know, they were willing to uh, make it through. What I'm surprised about is that I've heard that in the U.K. that, I don't say if it's more anti-Semitism or just maybe less acceptance to religion in general, um, I'm happy to hear that they were willing to to bend around your schedule because I've heard that sort of I don't know religious freedoms are more common in the U.S. and in the U.K. It might be a little bit harder to kind of be outwardly observant, but um, but they it sounds like the people you've worked with really have uh, worked with your schedule so or with with your uh, you know sort of religious uh, you know requirements. So that's uh, definitely exciting to hear. Um, and just I guess in our last thirty seconds, anything in particular that you're working on right now that you can let our listeners hear about that they can uh, look you up on or you know buy tickets to. Yeah, well, the, so. Um, Certainly have a look at my website, ashleyblaker.com. Uh, the, the, the main thing I'm working on at the moment is actually putting together my first U.S. tour. So I will be coming to, to, to the U.S. Uh, and I'll be announcing those dates and venues very soon. Excellent. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time. And uh, it's we always Thanks. love hearing stories like this of people who, you know, sort of defy those stereotypes and carve their way out in industries where these things have not been done before. So uh, we wish you a lot of hatzlacha.
Thank you very much. Thank you. Nice to speak to you. And thank you for listening, and you can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.